Hello, everyone. My name is David Smith, and this is the Armchair Commentary. On this week's episode, Steve and I are talking about super teams, or not-so-super teams, in fact. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are attempting to build a dynasty through free agent acquisitions, and Steve and I are going to tell you why it hardly ever works and talk about some of the biggest failures in doing so. If you haven't already, please make sure to hit that subscribe button, check out our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you can support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash armchair commentary. We would appreciate any support, any and all support, I should say, uh, that can be offered. And if you have the time and you already haven't done so, please make sure to follow us on social media at stevesteel23 at armchaircommon2. Check us out. It's where you can keep up to date with all the latest goings on at the Armchair Commentary. So without further ado, not so super Tom. We're back again another week in, well, I guess only football. We're only talking football now because uh, every other sport has concluded, although the NBA is on its way back sooner rather than later, uh, early December or mid-December, I guess. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, December 22nd. So can't wait for that. We'll have some NBA stuff uh, coming up once we get closer. Uh, Baseball, we don't really know what's going on. They're naming award winners. Jose Abreu won AL MVP. Forget who won NL MVP. I don't know if it's been announced yet, but uh, nothing major uh, really happening. But football's happening. Um, And I'm going to start us off uh, with the Patriots trying to out Adam Gase, Adam Gase. And Adam Gase said, hold my job. Uh, and still managed to blow it against a team that is basically a high school offense in Cam Newton. Well, uh, hold on. Before you throw your own offense under the bus, like, <laughs> like the, Jets are, the Jets are running uh, the, the Bulls JV and high school. And yes, yeah, yeah. This, is, this was a very bad football game. It was a very ugly football game. The Jets' defense played very well. Um, but it's hard to gauge that because they were going against um, – you know, guys, most of, most of these guys wouldn't be like wide receiver three or four on a good team. Like if you put any of these guys on, uh, before I say good team, if you put any of these guys on like the Rams, even, uh, I don't even know if they're getting playing time. They're probably practice squad, save Edelman who's injured and not playing right now. So it was, it was an ugly game, but Adam Gase still managed to Adam Gase himself, uh, into the loss column. I don't know if we're going to call that a big uh, victory. It's a moral victory, I guess, for the Patriots and that they weren't the only team to uh, lose to the Jets this year. Um, there's still time, I guess. We play them again, so there's still time. Uh, <laughs> they might get their only win of the season against you guys. It came right down to the fucking yeah. line, that's for sure. <laughs> it came down to Nick Folk, former Jet Nick Folk. Um who hasn't been great for the Patriots, uh, to be honest, uh, managed to pull it out. Um, it just, it was bad. It was just so, so bad. Um, and honestly, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to um, have to, I mean, obviously, I don't think that the Patriots are winning much this year. Uh, I will understand that, that, you know, it didn't help that we were running backup quarterbacks and Brian Hoyer who hasn't been good for a long time. Um, and then Cam hasn't looked. He's had flashes, but again, if you don't have anywhere to go with the ball, what are you supposed to do with it? You can't run a QB option every play. So uh, it was an ugly game. Uh, it was an ugly, ugly game. Uh, your Colts also played uh, what started off as a great game for your defense. Man, your defense is Jekyll and Hyde sometimes. I don't, blame, I don't blame our defense for that game. I, I think what ended up happening is the offense shot them in the face so many times. Also, that uh, interception they ruled against us was pretty impressive where the guy dropped the ball and it rolled alongside him and they gave him an interception. But whatever, it's cool. It's cool. You know, uh, NFL officials going NFL official. How we didn't challenge that, I don't know. Or maybe we did and we lost the challenge. I have no idea. I was just kind of like oblivious to it at that point, like uh, when we fumbled. And uh, they recovered it, and Philip Rivers kind of fell down, so Duke could hurdle him. I don't know, man. There was a lot. I don't blame the defense for that game. I blame I squarely our offense is very Jekyll and Hyde. I believe and mostly Hyde, but the defense yeah. was fine. Only giving up twenty four points to a pretty stacked Ravens team in controlled environment is 
probably – I mean, they haven't been as good as they were last year. But they're still a pretty damn good football team. Like, holding the Ravens to 24 points is not an easy feat, especially when you turn the ball over like two or three times. So I think the defense is fine. The offense was atrocious. Like, Phillip Rivers looked like 47 years old. We're, we're about to trash old quarterbacks in a second, but he, he might have looked – other than the oldest quarterback, he looked pretty awful. So – he did not look great. At one point, uh, I believe you messaged me, uh, Philip Rivers looking like 2007. He did in the first quarter or the first half. He did, and then the, and, and then that guy fumbled when whatever the running back fumbled, the receiver fumbled. I remember who it was that fumbled? I, I think it was like our fourth string running back. And they okay. picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown. And like the air went out of that balloon so fast from that moment. Forward. I watched the whole game, and I. I, I I didn't expect to beat the Ravens, but when you're up 10 nothing and the Ravens are like running constant graphics about how the Ravens can't play from behind constantly, you're like, you start to feel pretty confident about it, right? You start talking yourself into it. And then I don't know what the hell happened in the second half to our offense, but my God, you want, you want to talk about high school looking offenses. The, the Colts put a trot it one out in the second half. We were awesome. Uh, the, well, you were trying to Atlanta Falcon yourself and you couldn't bring yourself to do it. So you, you ended up giving it up more. The Ravens are, um, they're, they're a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team right now. I think they've got a lot of great pieces and a lot of talent. Uh, I just don't think that they're quite like elite level, um, you know, excellent football team. But there's a lot of teams that have a lot of questions right now. Um, and, you know, they're one of them. But they're still six and two. So, I mean, they got the wins. Um, tank Bowl happened. Uh, Giants and uh, the Washington Football One of the greatest team. blooper plays, misplays, whatever you want to call that fumble in the history of football, too, my dad. That was a, <laughs> that's some Keystone Cop stuff. Oof, Lord. <laughs> uh, you know, I I can't. I, I'm not going to dedicate uh, any more time to the in uh, the NFC East. It's pretty brutal. Uh, I, I don't think anything else happened in the NFC East that we cared to just, The Steelers looked um, not great against the Cowboys in the first half. Gilbert, for whatever reason, was tearing him up, and Big Ben was trying to do too much. Um, the only other, there's two other games that I really wanted to uh, touch on before we got in, get into the final game, which will lead us to our topic this week. Um, the Buffalo Bills um, put up 44 on Seattle, which um, just solidifies everyone's point. This is not, this is not new news. Seattle Seahawks don't play defense. They don't know no. how to play defense. They can't do it even if they tried. And Russ can only do so much. If they go we'll against a moderately competent defensive team, they will lose. Well, Russ also didn't do any favors throwing three interceptions. Not all his fault, mind you, but three turnovers with that defense is probably not going to go that far. Yeah. Like yeah. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of cause and effect to everything, right? It's Turnovers tend to be the telling story in all the things we'll talk about this week in football, right? Like it was – yeah, let's see. we can talk. Let's talk about the Bucks now, shall we? Well, no, I got one more for you. Mm. Um, Dolphins and Cardinals. Good game, really good game. So everybody is. Um, I, I understand everybody being on Tua right now. He looked great uh, that game. I'm not gonna anoint him the next one. He's not the new Marino yet. But um, everybody all of a sudden fell off Kyler Murray. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't see Kyler Murray doing anything wrong this game. I think that the Dolphins' defense was is is coming into its own, and uh, they look to be a legit, um, at least contender in a otherwise awful division. I mean, I think the, I think the Dolphins can steal that division from the Bills. I think the Dolphins, if they play like they did against Arizona, the Dolphins can steal that division from the Bills. It's entirely uh, possible. Those are two very good, the two laughing stocks of the division outside of the Jets, of course. Two of the yeah. three laughing stocks of the AFC least look really good, and it's really exciting. I mean, it sucks you're a Patriots fan, obviously, because your team sucks. But it, it, it's I, I bash the AFC East so often with the Bills and the Jets and the Dolphins, and I got to give it its due. Like those two teams are like the Dolphins impress me. Like their record is, I think they're better than their record. They're five and three, and I think their record. I think they could easily, with the way they're playing right now, if they played this way all year, could be six and one. Entirely possible. Yeah, like they're they're um, they're legit. Like I wouldn't want to play that team in the playoffs. No, I also wouldn't want to play the Cardinals anytime. Uh, I think that that was probably the the most exciting game of the week. Um, the other game that was billed as kind of the like clash of the titans, and the networks were so excited to see this, and every single pundit picked uh, this one team. 
was Drew Brees versus Tom Brady because they play each other. They don't, of course, they're both quarterbacks, but it was the Bucks and the Saints. And everyone and their dog was picking uh, Tampa over the Saints. The Saints haven't looked great. They also haven't had Michael Thomas for a while, but they haven't looked great. Uh, Drew Brees has not been throwing very well. Everybody's been talking about how great Tom has been playing. Um, and uh, boy, uh, that escalated in a hurry, didn't it? Because <laughs> it did not go uh, the way of the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers put up three points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and the Saints scored a touchdown in every quarter but the third. Uh, oh, going, I watched back in. I think they were beating. Like I it was, knew. Go ahead. It was an abuse. Yeah, it was. It was. It was abuse. <laughs> I was never ready to crown the Bucks. Like everyone was getting really excited to crown the Bucks after the Green Bay game. I mean, it, hey. if there were, if there wasn't a telltale sign after the Giants game, but like the, when the Saints beat the stuffing out of them in Week One, it didn't look like a fluke. You know what I mean? It didn't look like they were struggling. It didn't look like there was anything really happening there. Um, I think the other in Green Bay. I think the Bucks have lost to every good team they've played. Yes, they have. Yeah, so like um, people just love or romanticize Tom Brady so much. And again, the Bucks do have a very good defense, and there are obviously a lot of talented pieces in Arizona. But I, I don't see what everyone else. See. Maybe I'm not like on the ESPN talking point list where you have to like fillet Tom Brady on a regular basis. Like I, I don't see a very good. I see a good defense a competent offense that thrives in the defense is creating turnovers and a 43 year old quarterback that can really, really lace a five yard pass. When he goes beyond that, it gets dangerous. Um, there was a video a couple of weeks ago that kind of went viral where Peyton Manning was assessing a pass that Tom Brady threw to Gronk where Aikman put it over and Peyton broke it down where he was actually, he just actually overthrew Mike Evans and Gronk went and got it. And I, if you want to, cause he never looks at Gronk. So he, don't tell me he threw a fade route to Gronk towards the sideline when he never actually looks in Gronk's general direction. He eyeballs Evans the entire way. Oh, I think Evans cuts off his route early and the ball sails over his head and Gronk just continued going across the field and got there and caught it. Being 6'5", the long arms, everything else definitely helped. And he aired it out because Brady doesn't really throw bullets. He tends to throw like high arcing soft passes. Deep passes, yeah, yeah. They're not deep uh, passes. It was only like a 12-yard pass, 12, 15-yard pass, but – what it was is that, like, he's not throwing 15-yard bullets. He throws them kind of up over the top, unless in the middle of the field and when he has tighter windows. Towards the sidelines, though, you don't throw bullets in the sidelines because if it gets picked off, it's going back the other way very easily. So yeah. what I think happened, if you watch the clip, you can look it up Peyton Manning and, like, pokes fun at Tom Brady. If you watch the video, Manning breaks it down. And if I'm going to trust anybody about quarterbacking, it's Peyton Manning, right, and breaking down film. It, it's really, like, it, it's one of the best throws Brady's made all season, but it's not the intended throw. And I think that's kind of like a really solid metaphor for the Bucks and Tom Brady's that offense this year is that things were just kind of falling into place at times, and people were like, "Oh my God, he still got it! How can you believe he doesn't still have it?" And then, well, like, here, and then here, reality hits. Well, here it is. So they lost to the Saints Week One. Badly. They beat the, they beat the Panthers in Week Two. Uh, the Panthers are not exactly, uh, you know, the murderers' row that they once were. Their defense is struggling. They beat the Broncos. I don't even think Drew Locke was playing at this point, but they beat the Broncos. They almost lost to the Chargers. That's the Justin Herbert debut, if I'm not mistaken. This is, uh, uh, what's his name? Got Tyrod Taylor got punctured lung by his own doctor. And uh, Justin Herbert came in and almost beat them. They, lost, they won 38-31. So they almost lost to the Chargers, who aren't very good without Herbert, but then they, you know, they do it there. They lost to the Bears. Um, they they beat the Packers in um, when they flustered Aaron Rodgers so badly. They beat the Raiders, who are as Jekyll and Hyde as any team on planet Earth. And this is when I like every time I've looked at them, they haven't looked like they've been in super sync ever, like on offense or defense. To be honest, uh, they almost lost to the Giants and Daniel Jones. Now Daniel Jones is his own worst enemy. Okay, he'll so. do something super athletic and then he'll do something super dumb and get it strip sacked. And you're like, boy, you could just hold on to the ball. You might be all right. So they almost lost to the Giants who are one in seven uh, at that point. They're not That's very good. Way too close for comfort. Like 25, 23. And people are like, Oh, it's the giants. Brady. Ha, ha, ha. What was that? I thought it was 23, 20. No, 25, 23. 
was the final. I'm looking at it right now. You're looking at it right now. Yeah, I just brought it up. It was 20 to 20. It was 23 20 at one point. No, it yeah, couldn't have been. The, I don't know. Whatever. What do I know? Maybe that was the Giants. Maybe that's Giants Redskins. Every Giants game is such a flaming yeah. dumpster fire. I mean, look. They they basically had it down. Dion Lewis caught a seven yard pass from Daniel Jones with four ten left. Or no, that's the beginning. Uh, Golden Tate caught a pass um, from Daniel Jones with twenty eight seconds left, and they tried a two point conversion and failed. That would have tied the game. It would have gone to overtime. Thanks. So like. Let's be let's be real about where this is. They almost lost to the Giants. They went they would have gone to overtime. And then they get trounced. The week that they need the if you need a comeback win week, it's the, it's against the Saints. You need to prove to everybody that you're not uh just uh, you know beating up on the lowly teams or the you know the, like the Raiders weren't very good in, you know, in that week or you know you beat the Packers but did you like, do, have you done anything else or was this just more of a stand? I, I uh, like a standalone, sorry. I don't see them as being um, as impressive as everybody was ready to, everybody's anointed them. I can tell you the funniest thing that I saw um, after the win against the Giants. I saw two different articles about the Buccaneers. The first one said, Buccaneers round into Super Bowl form after defeating the Giants. The second one said, Buccaneers eke out win against the Giants. And I was like, you can tell which one of them is a Tom Brady network-driven article and which one of them is living in reality. Because the one that said that they round into form is full of it. You all, you were you were a two-point conversion away from losing that, or from tying that game and going to OT. You had no momentum there. If not for the ineptitude of the New York Giants, I'm sure you would have lost. Well, they lost to the Giants. If they had lost to the Giants, it would have probably put like just about put an end to their season. I would say. Uh, I mean, what are, what are they? What are they? Five and three. They're uh, they're six and three now. So they would have been. So they lost. To the, they lost the Saints twice in the Bears, right? That's what they've lost yep. to. Where Tom yep. forgot down it was. So they're one game back of the Saints. Okay, they're not going to – have they played the Falcons yet? No. I don't know, man. This Atlanta Falcons team looks like it's poised to go 7-9 and nine and 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't I, – I, there's something about it. <laughs> I know you're laughing because they suck. It's, no, it's true. But, like, this is what Matt Ryan and the Falcons do. They start a season god-awful. Then they, like, rally and make it a mediocre season. They get no further ahead or behind. Oh, they've got the Panthers this week. Next week they've got the Rams – They've got the Chiefs, the Vikings, the Falcons, the Lions, the Falcons. So, so the Vikings are not the same. The, the three and five Vikings are not a real thing because with Cook back, they're they're not a three and five football team. So they get that. They have oh. the Chiefs. Who else they got? The Rams. That's a tough game. The Panthers, which eh. yeah, um, they can beat them. Falcons, man. Lions, Falcons. The Carolina Panthers may not be very good, but they're in every game. Like they don't. Yeah. They're, they're they're like they're three and six, but they very easily could be six and three too. Like they they took the Chiefs right to the wire. Yeah, they have the Falcons, Lions, Falcons down the season, and that might be the best gift they could get for Christmas. Well, they're going to be a wild card team because unless the Saints fall apart, they're not passing a team they've lost twice to in their division. The head to head's the first thing that goes in right this entire, yeah. this entire division. So they're automatically a wild card team, which means there's a very real chance that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to play in the snow or in the cold. Yeah. Not new to Tom or Rob, but new to most of those guys. Hell, the playoffs are new to most of those guys. Um, <laughs> You're not wrong there. But, like, like, I mean, unless they end up in Philadelphia or something, which would probably be, like, a best-case scenario, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the NFC East. Yes, like, I know. But, hey, man, like, the Eagles are 3-4-1. and one. Like, they're not – they're getting healthier too, so I don't know. I uh, they've got that division. I just I, I can't see this Bucks team winning anything. I can't see this team beating the Cardinals. I can't see this team beating the Seahawks. I can't see this team. Well, I mean, they could probably beat the Bears. That offense is so bad. It, and yeah. I, that's another thing I want to talk about. Like people love to blame Nick Foles for that offense, but like their play calling is possibly second only to Adam Gase's play calling. Adam Gase's play calling is atrocious. Hey, you got this really agile back that catches balls out of the backfield and does all these great things. Okay, let's run them draws up the middle over and over and over again. Sounds good. All right, let's run it. Why isn't our offense working? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, moral of the story is, oh, my God. Can you believe that there's a 2-7 and seven team in the hunt for the division? 
Yeah, I know. I know. I look, the NFC East is awful. It's incredible, but um, I guess that brings us around to what we were getting to talk about. This team has been built um, largely by Tom Brady. Um, and if anybody tries to tell you otherwise, they're full of it um, to try and win a Super Bowl. This team was constructed with a whole bunch of veterans taking ridiculous deals to come play with two very good receivers and Mike Evans, who's unreal and getting underutilized here. Uh, Chris, Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is a deep threat. He doesn't really fit in the Tom Brady offense. This Correct. is too Yeah. It's not his fault. Mike Evans is a ridiculously good receiver who needs someone to throw him the ball more than five yards downfield. And as we've discussed, Tom at age 80 or 70 or whatever he's at right now, can't do it. He no. just can't. He, you know, he, Mike Evans should have been dealt for something else. No disrespect to Mike Evans. It's just he was never going to work on a Tom Brady offense. Six five receiver that doesn't go over the middle and catches balls deep down the sideline, like in jump balls. That's not Tom Brady's receiver. And that was Tom Brady in 2007 with Randy Moss. Mike Evans is not Randy Moss, by the way, but no. similar prototype, but like a poor man's Randy Moss, we'll call him. That's in no way a disrespect to Mike Evans. I think he's great, but Randy Moss is one of the five greatest receivers of all time. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah there's a reason we're saying we're. This is yeah. not a bang on Mike Evans. This no, is hell no. I'm very Randy high on Evans. Calling someone anything relatable to Randy Moss, um, I think is high praise. Really, I don't understand why. Uh, if you're Tampa, why you didn't make that move at the deadline? Why you didn't say, "Is anybody interested in Mike Evans?" Uh, and I have a feeling that they could have probably got some. I don't know, some defensive help, someone else that would be in the slot ready to go for Brady. I know they already got their uh, generic uh, little white guy, but maybe they could have got another one. Who knows? I, it seemed it seemed foolish, but they built this team to do that. They built this team. They brought in, I mean, they've recently brought in Antonio Brown, who is a clown but can play football. Um, they brought in Leonard Fournette, even though they drafted a running back and they had an excellent running back in Ronald Jones. Um they brought in Indomitian Sue. Uh, they, I mean, they've basically they've tried to stack this team to win, um, playing Madden Ultimate Team, uh, and it's it's not working out so far. People they're will tell mad, you that it's okay. They're Madden I Ultimate Team. Hold on, they're Madden Ultimate Team, but they're not buying the loot boxes and the currency. They're trying to do it through like time spent earned cards so you're not leveling up the cards so you, you, yeah you got antonio brown but you got like the bronze antonio brown instead of like the purple diamond edition or something like that that's what's happening yeah. here. well it is um and that kind of got us thinking this week um because there will be there will be a lot of conversation about how this team is constructed um if they don't do anything in the play if if these guys don't win a super bowl it's going to be considered a failure i'm going to be honest with you if they, if they miss the i mean they'll make the playoffs because the nfc is filled with trash teams i mean hold on <laughs> like just to like uh, further elaborate what you're saying there i think any tom brady team that doesn't win the super bowl is considered a failure i think he's got that like that attached to him right yes like yeah, it, for sure it, Wherever he goes, he's expected to win. He expects to win. So I don't feel like that's unfair to say that this team is a disappointment if he doesn't win the Super Bowl because I'm pretty sure Tom Brady in training camp expected to win a Super Bowl with this football team. Uh, absolutely he did. Yeah. I'm pretty positive he still wants to. Uh, they still can, man. Like It's not like the Patriots didn't have bad runs for a while and run away and win. I just I don't see it. Well, they're not going to. They're really not. They're not going to. They're, they're not really set – um, set up the way that you would need to win a Super Bowl, if we're being honest. Um, and they've got a lot of holes, a lot of issues, but it got me thinking about other football teams that have tried to do this um, in the past. And that got me thinking about super teams that have failed in general. Um, so with the Tom Brady Bucks in mind, and yes, it will be a failure because everybody's going to be looking at um, Brady standalone versus Belichick standalone, and both have not gone to standard. They were clearly better together, but it's neither here nor there. Um, it got me thinking about the NFL, and the 2011 Eagles came up. Do you remember this? I remember like hearing about how amazing this defense was going to be 
um, when they brought in, like they went, like the, the big name free agent was uh, Omdi, uh, Namdi Asamoah. Yep. And I think, and everybody was like, it was like a bidding war and he picked the Eagles and then uh, Dominic Rogers Cromartie was there. Jason Babin was there. Um, and then they brought in uh, Vince Young to back up Mike Vick. Wasn't this a Foles team? Is it 2011 or 2013 Eagles? 2011. Oh, my bad. The 10-11 Eagles. So 10-11 super teams were very much in the in the mind (laughs) of uh, of the public because, of course, 2010-11 is that not LeBron taking his talents to South Beach? I think it's the, yeah, it's the first year there too. Yeah. Where this they, is a very good football team too. Like when you look at them. Like, the 11, 10, 11 Eagles? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, like, like Vic McCoy, Jason Avant, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Brent Selleck, I think it was, Jason Peters, Evan Mathis, yeah. Jason Kelsey is a rookie, Danny Watkins, Todd Harriman, Jason Babin, Colin Jenkins. Like, this is a very good football team. This team like the defense was the failure. They built this super team around defense, and it failed. If I'm not, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember the Eagles from ten years ago. Don't I do remember the the Alihu about them and how great they were going to be? They finished eight and eight, so obviously they weren't great. But I do remember the hype, but I don't remember the team very well. I didn't watch a lot of the Eagles in 2011. Well, and I, I to be honest, I only remember it because of the like we're a super team and we're going to win the Super Bowl kind of feel. And I know that. Um, Andy Reid tried to like be like, no, 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 we're, we're just having fun. It's okay. And then I think Victor Cruz had like a hundred yard game against them before Victor Cruz was anything when the Giants were still, you know, relevant or at least semi relevant. And they lost, I think they lost four straight to come out of the beginning. And by October, in typical Eagle, Eagle fashion, um, they were getting um, chanted dream team. <laughs> As a taunt, whenever they did anything bad, it was dream team. But how long? Uh, that, I the name, but how long did that guy last in Philly? The the, the, the bidding war cornerback, Osamoa. Osamoa, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I, he only, I, think, I think they cut him after a year or two. Like he didn't last long. He definitely wasn't on the Super Bowl team. Uh, no, he was not. Uh, he, <laughs> I mean, I know that he got brought in and they were very high on them and then they got very this team was dismantled basically um in no time at all they were like never mind it didn't work um he played all of what two years in philly 2012 he started all 16 games in both season 2011 so he went from oakland when he was with the raiders um, he had uh, like six pass deflections, a whole bunch of tackles, a bunch of solos. He had he was very good at um, interceptions for a bit. He had eight in 2006. He came free agent and he had three interceptions for the Eagles, uh, only de- defended five passes. He started 16 games in 2012 and he uh, had one INT and then he was – I played for the Niners, it looks like, for three games. Uh, started one, and then he was out of the league by 2013. Yeah, someone was high, all right. I don't know if they were high enough on him, but whatever the case would be, it didn't really work out. But then again, we have a lot of corners like that that like look like they're going to be the next big thing, and then people just – they there's been very few elite corners in the last 10 years, but there's been lots of hype around corners in the last 10 years. You know, like for every, you know, Richard Sherman, who you, you can take – shots of his game if you want to, but there's been lots of like, you know, um, Josh Normans. Yeah, there are a lot of Josh. People, you can play corner very well for um, like eight to ten games and be anointed like the next great thing and people learn your game very quickly. Receivers understand how to play you very, very quickly. It does not take long for them to figure out, oh, this is what he does. Okay, cool. And then everybody, by the by, the time you reach your second year of being like elite, um, unless you're like an athletic like freak or a, a total beast, uh, you're just you know you're easily played. Um, it doesn't really happen in football a lot. Um, it happens in basketball a lot more though. Um, those that Miami Heat team, 
LeBron taking his talents to South Beach and the silly decision, which probably didn't help things. Um, Dwayne Wade was obviously there. Chris Bosh showed up um, to, to play with his friends. Um, and they started the season horribly. Did they not? Like, I'm pretty sure they were like a five, like a just over 500 team. They, I think uh, they start. They started. Well, they started the season with a loss to the Celtics. So, like the the, the the start of the story is they formed a super team because neither team could beat the Celtics, either Dwayne Wade or like the Cavs with LeBron. I mean, the Raptors weren't even close. So, no. they formed up in their first game of the season. I think it was in Boston Garden against the Celtics, and the Celtics kind of ran them off the floor. Yeah. And the problem wasn't that they built a super team per se, like that, that, that set expectations high, but the press conference where they introduced all of them in the arena, they were not like, one. Not, not two, two. Not, not three, three. not four, not or whatever. Four. Going. Yeah, that really, 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 really bit them on the ass. Although, truth be told, um, I don't generally blame one player for the shortcoming of the team. Uh, but LeBron in the 2011 NBA Finals literally evaporated. <laughs> like he was. I, I don't. I, I. It's the only time I could think of where LeBron was bad in the playoffs. Like, um, and it was just the finals. He was god awful against the. Now you got to probably give some credit to the Mavs and their scheming and the way they played him and everything else. I don't know what it was, but like that is his. E- I don't know. I'm not looking at the numbers, but from the eye test, that was the worst I've ever seen LeBron James play in an NBA finals. And God knows I've seen LeBron play in a lot of NBA finals. So yeah, yeah that was a disappointment. Um, did you have the, uh, 03, 04 Lakers on that list as well? Yeah, but I, I my thing with the 03, 04 Lakers is it was an old team. Uh, other than Shaq and Kobe, they put like, they tried to carry Peyton's ghost out there. They trotted out the, like the, the corpse of Carl Malone. Like it wasn't a young hit. Like that team looks great on paper. Cause you're looking at like a bunch of hall of famers, but it's not, guys in their prime per se. A lot of these super teams are formed with old vets that don't quite have it anymore. And that, yeah. like they still won 56 games in the regular season. I think that's the year Kobe had the rape trial. Like, like if you look at the team, it's like what, Kobe Bryant, Derek Fisher, Rick Foss, Horace Grant. Horace Grant is at this point. Wait, hold on. Horace Grant's. Okay. He's 35. Carl Malone is 37. Gary Payton is 1968, so God, how old that is? I don't know. 2004, whatever. He's not young. Kareem Rush, I have no idea. Brian, Brian Russell's on this team. Brian Russell, of course, of uh, Push Off fame. I mean, aka Last Shot fame, which is also the season. Yeah. He's my wallpaper on my phone, but not for the reason he probably wanted to be. Um, yeah, this is not a super team. This is like Shaq and Kobe make every team a super team in the early 2000s, but like the rest of this team isn't really there. Would you, would you say the 2013 team was closer to the, like that? Yeah, like, all, like, other than Steve Nash, that was a, that was a bunch of guys that were still in their like pretty good playing state. Like Steve Nash was broken down, but like they had our test. Kobe still had some gas in the tank at that point. That's when the injury started to pile up. Dwight Howard was supposed to be like one of the best players in the NBA at the time. Yeah, Howard Gasol could still very much play in 2013. Like that team just fell apart. But I mean, Kobe getting hurt was the reason that team fell apart. Steve Nash couldn't be healthy to save his life. His career was being held together by the Phoenix Suns uh, medical staff, and when he lost him, <laughs> he fell apart. So, no, Steve Nash is an atrocious back, right? Like his back is a mess. Yes, and uh, unfortunately for him, couldn't get it. Well, I mean, he how how many times have you watched? Did you watch Steve Nash as a Phoenix Sun, uh, like like sprint down the front court? into the backcourt and like take a beating at the rack to, to try to get a layup and a call. Like it happened a lot. It happened yeah. a lot. The, and that Mike D'Antoni offense where it's basically like wind, wind sprints all day is not forgiving on anybody's body. It's the uh, Tom Brady laying out his receivers for the NBA. Like just go full tilt. It may not be as bad, but it's pretty hard. What do you think defines a super team because there are lots of teams that are um, that, that come either with like guys who are like drafted. Like if you look at like the Oilers and we're talking on paper, I'm not talking about success because uh, teams win championships, all sorts of different ways. A lot of people draft. Some people sign that missing free agent piece and look at the Dodgers. They like perennially add high end free agents and you could call them super teams, but a lot of their guys are like, 
homegrown uh, guys, you know, and then they'll make a trade. So when does a team become creating a super team? When does that like come into play for you? What, when does it become a super team for me? I think it was when like you acquire three marquee players. I think that's, in basketball, it's three. Football, it's probably a little more. Baseball, three marquee players. You're probably not even a playoff team. So, like, it's it's tricky. It, it, it's, it goes by sport, right? Like, in hockey, I don't think three marquee players makes you a super team. Um, I, although, I don't think there is a super team in hockey. I don't think there, there is. Have, yeah. I think the closest you can get to, like, making an argument for a super team, and I know you're going to laugh at this, was probably, like, the Leafs forward core. Like, and it, it's not well, working. That's fair. No, no, that, that's completely fair. The problem with the NHL will always be that um, you need elite level goaltending. And I mean, the NHL is built on third and fourth liners who put in like who pot that like lucky go ahead goal at just the right time. Like it is more about blue collar guys going to work every day than it is about your superstars. Like how many superstars are on the Leafs right now? Four? I mean, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. I think legit superstars are Madison Matthews. Marner's pretty much right there. If he's not a superstar, he's definitely an all-star. And yeah. then I think Nylander's like star, like a star. Player. Yeah. Like, and you got lots of stars below them, but the, the, who like, how many people would rather Leo Komarov on their team right now? Like, the many those <laughs> well, what I'm saying is Leaf fans love Uncle Leo. Do we? They love a guy that I, mean, hits. I like Leo yeah, Komarov, but I don't know if I want Leo Komarov over any of those guys. Although we do seem to be talking ourselves into over the hill free agents constantly now. So I mean, that's you do love that, yeah. Yeah, it's just a Joe Thornton and Jason Spence. I know it's Spence's second year, but still shout outs to him regardless. Oh yeah, and Wayne Simmons too. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like it, super teams to me are like when the media gets bad. Like a, a good example of a super team, it's a self uh, christened super team. It's like with the 2016, 2017 New York Knicks. And they got like Derek Rose and Joakim Noah and all those guys. Like, where are they? It was 2017, 2018 Knicks, I believe, is who it is. So, yeah, Joakim Noah, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, oh, Jarrett Jack, Tim Hardaway, Michael Beasley. Okay, maybe they weren't a super team, but they really thought they were a super team. They ended up winning 29 games. The Raptors won the division by winning 59 games that year. The Celtics were good, 255 wins. Geez, there's three. Oh, that was the emerging year of uh, Embiid. So, like, it, they just happened to be in a really tough division. Three teams in that division won fifty games that year, so over fifty games. So I mean, maybe yeah. the Knicks were better. Maybe maybe they didn't run into like a buzzsaw of a division. In the NBA, if you have three teams winning over fifty games in the season, that's a really really good division. <laughs> the Raptors won yeah. fifty nine, the Celtics won fifty five, and the Sixers won fifty two. And then the Nets and the, yeah. the Knicks rounded at the bottom, twenty nine and twenty eight wins respectively. So I mean, that that was a pretty bad one, but like uh, it was because the I think Nets a, the Nets had an attempt at a super team as well. Did they? Twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. When the re- the reason the Celtics are so good right now is the Nets attempt at building a super team. Yeah, but they <laughs> did that thing. That thing I talked about, with, like past their prime vets, right? Like where they went out and got Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, who were had salad forks sticking out of their backs, and they mortgaged everything to bring those two guys in to try to compete with LeBron. And I think it was LeBron's first year in back in Cleveland, or maybe it was his last year in Miami where that happened. Whatever it was, it was the, that Nets team beat the Raptors in the first round of the playoffs where the Raptors were a shock they even made the playoffs. Yes. But yeah, like it was like 37-year-old Kevin Garnett. And by the way, 37 for Kevin Garnett has to be accounted that he came into the NBA at 18 years old. Paul Pierce, I think, was around for their year or two after that. And... Yeah, I don't remember. Like they had, like they had, like ISO Joe Johnson, Jason Terry. I mean, Jason Terry's been on every team in the NBA, so I'll probably say yeah. <laughs> yes, he has. I know, but yeah, I feel like I've seen. Like, I, is Jason Terry still playing today? I feel like he is. I feel like he's on someone's bench somewhere. Like Jason Terry. Like when he's did the other Vince be- Carter? Isn't he? He's just gonna- <laughs> Let's not talk about Vince Carter. Like I just don't. <laughs> Jason Terry played from the '99 season. His rookie season was the '99-2000 season, and he his last season was 27 to 18. With the Bucks at age forty, he came into the league at twenty two, played to his forty. Like he was on, but like let's just cut the teams here. He was on the Hawks for five years, then he went to Dallas for a long time, then he went to Boston, then he went to Brooklyn, then he went to Houston, then he went to Milwaukee. So, like, so eight seasons in Dallas, five seasons in Atlanta, two seasons in Houston, two seasons in Milwaukee, one season in Boston, and one season in Brooklyn. That man played for some teams. Yeah, yeah, his jersey room is going to be full. That's so for sure. I want to tell how old was Kevin Garnett at that point with the Nets. The first year in Brooklyn, 
Here we go. He was 37. Been in the league since he was 19. Yeah, it's not. I mean, like, and there's a lot of miles on that body at that point. Like, oh yeah, he, he was averaging was it six and a half points a game. <laughs> it's not, not going to work for a guy that was averaging. I mean, you could see the deterioration happening though. Uh, 18 last year, Minnesota 22 points, but his numbers go down 18, 15, 14, then it went up a bit 14, 15, 14, 6, 6, 6, 7 to finish his career, and then 3.2, but he was barely playing last year's career. Needless to say, he was old. So, how old was he? He's born in 1976, he was 37. So, let's check out Paul Pierce here, real quick, just to see how old Paul Pierce was. Again, a lot of mileage on the body. Paul Pierce, yeah. born in. 77, so he was 36. Like, this is not a young, spry chicken team, right? Like, if these guys were, like, if this, these guys were assembled back in 2008 when they still had some years left, like five, six years earlier, yeah, that, that would have been a super team. Brooklyn was just really poorly managed and they went all in on star power to try to make it. Like, rush Ivan Provorov do that? Yes, yes, it was. was (laughs) I think it was the first year with the Russian owner, and um, yeah. A mess, another mess. Like most attempts at super teams are a mess. Like the only really super team that ever really super succeeded, other than Miami, is probably the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. Like that team was super, and yeah. they they looked super at all times. Well, they owned they- up to it. They're, I think part of the problem happens, um, and and this happens a lot when I play fantasy football with people who casually watch um, sport. So in fantasy football, you are looking for guys who are going to produce. The problem is the media will tell you about the same names a hundred times over. Everybody in fantasy football that's played in the last 10 years knows the name Frank Gore. Frank Gore is a good running back. I think he's like third all-time rushing. Stick around long enough. You can do anything. Well, this is, that's what I'm saying. Like Frank Gore is not an, an elite level fantasy back, but people draft him high anyway. Do you know why? Because they remember his name. And I think a lot of the time super teams are actually built on, this like idea that it's butts in seats over mm. like the actual product. And then they're like, you know, well, yeah, you guys are good at basketball. You've been playing for a long time. So you know what's going on or, Oh, you guys are like an elite defense. So you guys will be able to play uh, football very well and you'll bring us a championship. And the only reason that Eagles team even came into consideration is because Vince young in an opening presser as the backup quarterback to Vic uh, was asked, what do you think about all the guys that have been added? And he called them the dream team. And that just ended up sticking. The press was like, the reporter that got that soundbite was like, this is a soundbite for 365 days. It's not just a right now thing. Other guys are like, "Eh, it's not that big of a deal. And they're like, no, no. And then it it becomes bulletin board material. People want to show you up because you're talking about how super you are. Very rarely does it happen in the NFL. We didn't see it very often. And like you said, in the NBA, when it does happen, it's like a lot of the time it's guys that are like home, like, if the Sixers add someone elite and Ben Simmons remembers how to shoot, um, they're a super team. Are they not? With Embiid, uh, I think last year, not the season that just passed the year before, I think that Sixers team with Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and uh, J.J. Redick and Ben Simmons. Extremely was, good. That's as close to a super team as you can find. Um like, I don't deem this Lakers team that just won a championship a super team. LeBron James makes every team super to an extent. Him and Anthony Davis together are an incredible duo. But the rest of that team is spare parts. So I don't really feel like they were a super team. Um, but I think that Sixers team on paper, I remember I went to game one of that series and I did not feel comfortable. Like, I, <laughs> that team no. was. Re- no, they're good. I mean, they went in Harris at the, mid, the, the uh, mid-season, right? So, like, they got stacked. Like they were a good team before that, and then they went up those two guys. Like, uh, and I have nothing but love for Jimmy Butler. Tobias Harris, not so much, but like nothing against him. I just love him. But Jimmy Butler, man, like I was like, oh god, like that. That was the hardest series the Raptors played in the playoffs last year. Yes, by far. And it came right down to the wire. Like it literally, I'm not gonna have a shot, but like Jimmy Butler is, whew, man. And Embiid. The only reason we ever won that series is Embiid had to take minutes off, like just literal minutes, like one or two minutes at a time. Those one or two minutes, we would just dust them. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we beat them. But yeah, I think that was a, I think that's a bust of a super team because they imploded that the team went backwards this year. Then they they for some reason went and got Al Horford in an attempt to try to fill that hole of Embiid sitting. 
the issue yeah. is they're going to play together. And well, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've kind of gone in on super teams, but I did make you a promise. I'm going to give you uh, a minute or two here if you want it to bury Tom Brady because this team is really bad. This Bucks team is bad. I don't, I, don't need bury, need I don't need to bury Tom Brady. I think I've gotten indirect burials of Tom Brady in numerous times now. Like I, <laughs> I, I never go all the way because you can't really go all the way on someone as good as Tom Brady. Like, let's be honest. Like I think Tom Brady in his current form is a mediocre to average quarterback. Like I, I firmly believe that, but that doesn't mean I've always thought Tom Brady was a mediocre to average quarterback. I, I felt Tom Brady was a mediocre to average quarterback last season. And I felt like Tom Brady was a mediocre to average quarterback the year before that, when you won the Super Bowl against the Rams, all those things said every other year prior to that, from about 2005 onward, he was not that. So we're looking at a 20 plus year career now. Like it's hard to really just bury a guy who's playing below his standards in his forties. You know what I mean? Like I'd love to sit here and just trash the guy and be like, he's a bum. He's overrated. He's never been good, but that would be a lie. And I I don't lie about these things. I hate the guy. I, I, I hope both. I hope he gets Joe Theismann every time he takes a snap. I really do, but it never happens. But I mean, it almost happened once. It wasn't the jets that got him. No, it was the Ravens. Yeah, it was Ravens. What was that guy's name? I wish Derek was here. Derek remembers him because he, Pollard. His name was Pollard. Oh God, a safety for the Ravens, but he was a safety for the Chiefs when it happened. The, the safety blitz. Oh God, what was his name? Bernard Pollard. I don't remember his name. Derek's going to listen to this and tell me who it was. Some of you remember. He was also the guy that hit the Patriot in the end zone of the 2012 Ravens Patriots AFC Championship game that caused the fumble. He crushed yeah. dude. I don't remember who the running back was. He fumbled and he, I thought he died. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Who was it? Anyway, that guy. Uh. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to see if I can find it here because you know, the, the Brady injury. If you just look at the Brady injury, you'll find it. Yeah, um, I uh, there will come an episode where I'm going to read his eulogy. Uh, Bernard Pollard. It was Bernard Pollard. It was his name. So Bernard Pollard was like a Patriot killer for a few years, starting with the Brady ACL tear in 2008. He, he had a reign of terror on the Patriots. Like if you like, uh, he injured Brady. He injured someone. I think he injured Gronk. Uh, and he also caused the fumble in the AFC Championship against them. There's more, but like that's a couple off the top of my head. I Derek, I think Derek has like a voodoo doll hex of him. I think I'm pretty sure he's still waiting for him to run into a brick wall somewhere so he'll die and go away. I think he lives <laughs> in a world of fear of the guy. Like no, literally, like the guy was literally like Patriot voodoo. Like he 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 owned you guys every chance he got. Oddly enough, he just texted me. What a guy. Uh, Derek is friend of the show. Uh, sure to check out. The, the biggest Patriots super fan I ever knew that became a Patriots fan when the Niners started to suck. But go ahead. Uh, if people want to find you and talk to you about where uh, real super teams come from or criticize you about any super teams, uh, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to give me your best super team, you can find me at Steve Steel 23 on Instagram and Twitter. I'm always open to debate these topics. I mean, there's not a lot of great super teams. I think super teams generally are like a message, a recipe of failure. I said, it usually sets you back. You can ask the Nets uh, who have been paving the way for many teams uh, for a long, long time. Mostly, mostly the Celtics. I mean, let's go here right now. What's the worst super team ever? Like the, is the Eagles, is that Knicks team I brought up earlier? Is it? That Knicks team you brought up. So the Knicks team, I, I feel like, Picking the Knicks would be the easy solution here before we go. I feel like that's the easy answer. Always. It's always the Knicks. The Knicks suck. They've they, and even when they try to be good, they're not great. Um, that Eagles team was touted. I remember I um, I'm pretty sure I had a subscription to SI at the time. And I'm fairly certain that they were all like on the cover of SI and like we were like everybody was talking about how great this defense was and how people are going to have a hard time beating them. Then I think they lost their first like four games like <laughs> they just didn't get anything. They were they were bad. They were very bad. And I think that that might be it. But the Nets um, might take the top spot because what they paid to get there. The price for those aging veterans set that team back so far for so long, and it set up other team. It set up another team 
in their own division um, for so long. Like the Celtics are still a great team and they're, and they're getting better because their young guys are coming into their own and they've, they've had picks for ages, even when they get rid of guys who are, you know, you know, baby Davis is out of there and it's like, all right, go. And now we got new guys. Like, you know, he's play. he was, by the way, shout out to uh, the national basketball association or league, whatever it is. The one that was in Canada here. Oh, baby <laughs> Newfoundland. So yeah. I, actually, I, have to, I have a connection to this story actually. Uh, A friend of mine and a guy that I somewhat consider a colleague with the uh, sneaker store was the assistant coach for that Newfoundland team. And uh, baby Davis was only interested in sleeping with women, not really playing and not really doing anything other than trying to get females numbers at games. Apparently it was a train wreck. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, All right. I'm going to get us out of here. I think it's the Nets. I don't know what you think. Ah. I'm going to go the 2012-2013 Lakers. They made the playoffs, but sort of that Nets team. That Nets team won a playoff series. That Lakers team didn't. That Lakers team crashed and burned and set the infrastructure for the last miserable few years of Kobe's career. So I'm going to go with them. All right. Debate us on Instagram. You can find Steve, again, at SteveSteel23 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, And you can find me at Armchair Commentary, at Armchair Common 2. Thanks for listening. And that does it for this week's episode of the Armchair Commentary. If you'd like to interact with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at uh, SteveSteel23, as mentioned before, and at ArmchairCommon2, at Armchair Commentary. If you can support this podcast in any way, please share it with your friends. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Head over to our Patreon Head over to redbubble.com slash armchair or search armchair commentary and uh, you can find all of our merch. Uh, Check out our friends uh, wherever you can. Uh, Down the Pub podcast, excellent local podcast. Check out our friends over at Charboys and their barbecue boxes. Uh, We appreciate any local support uh, that you guys want to throw to our friends. Uh, Let them know that Armchair Commentary sent you and uh, let's spread the good word. It has been a wacky week in the world of sports. I can't wait to do it again next week. Thank you for listening. Stay safe.